Hello and welcome to Wisdom and Productivity, the podcast of Dr. Efraim Martinez. I am a principal in search of wisdom and I have found productivity to be a great tool for success. Today I have the great honor of interviewing Andrea Kaltbrenner, who is a training and development specialist on the Teach Better team. She is passionate about making reading and writing come alive for students. Andrea Kaltbrenner, who are you? Hi there, Crystal. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. I am a teacher, I am a mom, I am a wife, and I'm just so happy to be here. (laughs) Beautiful. Thank you. Being a mother is such an important thing. Uh, What does it mean to you? It is everything and more. It is tiring. It is rewarding. Um, I knew I always wanted to be a mom. I didn't really know. I guess I shouldn't say the why. I knew why. But then once you become a mom and, and you have your own children, it's just a feeling you can't describe until you have your own Yes. And I, like, I, 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 for me, becoming a, a, a parent, it was the first time I understood what love meant yes. when I held my child. Yes. I used to tell my husband, I love you more than anything. And then once we had kids, I was like, I still do, but I'm sorry. I trump those kids over you anyway. Yeah. It, it changes <laughs> things. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. So, uh, Andrea, uh, can you walk us through your professional history up to this point? Sure. So I've been teaching for about 15 years. I started off in secondary education. So my degree is in English education, um, secondary ed, 6 to 12. I always thought I wanted to be in high school. I taught freshmen my first year teaching in a pretty rural um, suburb south of Chicago. And after years, I don't know if this is necessarily the right spot for me. So I kind of looked around, ended up in seventh grade, junior high, and that's where I have been ever since. I have been in multiple schools but junior high is my calling. Uh, Most people will say like, oh, junior high, that's the, that's the grade that I try to avoid, especially seventh grade because they're in those puberty years, but I love the awkwardness, bring it on. Junior high was a great experience for me when I was a child. So I like to kind of make that be a good experience for my students. Yes. So, uh, peeling out that onion, uh, why ELA and, um, why the junior high? Well, I've always loved to read. I was the kid growing up who would be reading four books at a time. You know, mm. um, if there was you know like the reading book competition in school or over the summer at the library, I was the one you know winning the free pizza, the you know Pizza Hut, all those like, special <laughs> stuff. So I always loved to read. Um, and then when I got older. Um, my eighth grade English teacher um, was one of my favorite teachers ever. I kept in contact with her all through high school, college, and then when I got my first you know, teaching jobs. So she had a big influence on me. Um, and yeah, I love to write. And then unfortunately, in my career, you know, I had some English teachers that maybe weren't as passionate about reading and writing as I was. And I knew I wanted to be that for my students because I hate when I hear kids say, I hate reading. I hate books. So I always tell them, no, you don't. You haven't found the right book. Yeah, yeah. And so I love being. How able to do you that. like? Were you naturally like I like reading, or something happened that made made you become a reader? Well, I mean, growing up, my mom always read to me. So my mom didn't go to college, so um, she's high school education. So it's always been so important to her. So she 
always read to us growing up and just said like books will change your life she would always say that and i would i am a dancer so she brought me to many dance classes over my career she would always be sitting in the parking lot or sitting at one of my shows if she had a wait for us to dress rehearsal reading her book so i always saw her reading so she modeled it for me um and then when i got older we would read we would share books she's like okay i think you'll like this book we both liked the murder mysteries you know growing up so we would share books um and it just I love that it can take you to a different place. So yes. I try to do that for my students. You know, they get them, like us in junior high, they've got a lot of emotions, right? They're going through a lot of things. So I like finding a book for them. I'm like, okay, you don't like what's happening right now? Let's go to an alternate reality. Let's mm. take them away in books and have them experience. That works. Yeah, yeah. something but different. You mentioned about dancing. It's yeah. such a field that, that you need to anticipate so many things in order for, for it. Uh, what have you learned about being a dancer? I mean, it has taught me so much in my life. So I always tell my dance students, you might not grow up to be a professional dancer, but when I'm teaching you, you're going to take with you the rest of your life. You learn how to be dedicated. You learn time management. I danced 20 hours a week growing up, and I had a job of going to school full time doing homework. I knew on dance days, I had to get my homework done right away. I had to work hard at school. Um, it really helped me when I student taught um, because I knew how to, my presence, I knew how to carry myself. Um, it helps with that confidence. Yes. Um, it's such a confidence booster. So yeah, there's, there's so much I have learned from being a dancer. Then I started teaching dance at a young age. That helped me so much with being a classroom teacher, how I got to talk to parents, how to project myself. Beautiful. Projection is key. I, I appreciate that. Um, Andrea, um, like in Back to the Future, if you could go back in time, what would be one or two advice you would give yourself? One would be, don't have to be the last time in the parking lot. It doesn't make you any better or less of a teacher. I spent so many extra hours at school because I thought I was always doing something, but I felt like I had to do that. You know, I'm a first year teacher at the school. I can't leave until six o'clock at night. It's just, it's, it's crazy. Um, so I'd say, yeah, you don't have to be the last car in the parking lot and go with the flow. So I, you know, I changed jobs um, on my own between the high school to junior high, my first two years teaching. Then that job that I took, I got ripped from. They were, you know, there wasn't enough enrollment and I was devastated. Well, why did I leave that job and not look what happened? But it wouldn't have brought me to where I am now. So just going with the flow and knowing that this has to be perfect. I thought, you know, I'm going to get a teaching job and I'm going to teach there at the same school for 30 years and I'll be that teacher. But it's okay because yeah. it brought me to where I am now. So, so life has taken you to teach better. Um, yes. What advice would you have for someone who's, who's considering doing a leap like that? Sure. Um, I would just say reach out to your um, professional learning community. Like, just see, that's how I found Teach Better through Twitter. Um, and I was searching around, looking for educators. I'm like, okay, this company seems interesting. I got to know some of the people on the team, and then now I work for them. So just never rule anything out. Like if I, you would have told me 15 years ago that I would be on a team like this, I would be doing a podcast with you, I would have presented at this conference, I would say, okay, that's not for me. I'm just a teacher. I'm just a teacher. I teach English. I teach grammar, I teach writing, um, but just open up your horizons and you never know what you're capable of doing. Um, you'll constantly surprise yourself as long as you let yourself take that leap. 
Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it. So uh, it's awesome that you're a reader because this question is perfect for you. You have to give two gifts. One gift is going to be a fiction book. One gift is going to be a nonfiction book. Why? This question is so hard because it's so hard to narrow it down. So I constantly cycle through books and I mostly read you know, young adult fiction for my students. So one book the past couple years that I just cherish is Refugee by Alan Gratz. He's a phenomenal author. He has a way of interworking. So a lot of his books have multiple um, character perspectives. So one chapter will be on one character and a setting. Then the next chapter will be in a different character in a setting. But somehow at the end, they're all interconnected, but you don't know how until the very end. And then he leaves you going like, what? Oh my gosh. Um, so Refugee, I read it with my um, international book club students um, because it focuses on three characters from very different cultures and different time periods. Mm. But there is a common connection between them. And he just came out with a new book this week um, and I uh, Barnes and Nobled it. But literally when I was here to my house, to my nephew's house, and we're going to be reading it together. Nice. He's in seventh grade now, so wow. it's kind of cool that Perfect. I, same age as my students, I have my nephew. So we're going to be reading it together. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. And what about nonfiction? Right? Nonfiction. Um, so I don't know if you know Lou Holtz. He's a very famous Notre Dame coach. Okay. Um, and I'm not into football at all, but my husband's best friend is, who's also my best friend. And when I was kind of shifting, finding different jobs, he's like, I want you to read this autobiography. So it's Lou Holtz's autobiography. It's called um, Wins, Losses, and Lessons. And he, there's just so many quotables. So literally, I love quotes. I would highlighted my book. I typed up a bunch of his like quotables, and I had them hanging in my classroom. And they're just good reminders. On yes, he was a coach, so he focused on winning, right? But there's so much more you can learn in the losing. Yeah. And he, so that would be one. So like, I was gifted to me, so I try to kind of gift that on to other Beautiful. people. Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, is, there, I, is there one quote that you can paraphrase? He talks about, so there's one, he says that you have to always have something to look forward to. So there was this time and he was talking about how his wife was kind of, kind of down and he says he's like, you have to have something to do. You have to have something you're looking forward to. And I feel like that helps with that mindset of the yet, right? Where sometimes when you're in the middle of something, you're focused on, oh, I can't do this. I can't do that. Everything's down. But what's going to happen yet? What can you look forward to? And that that really always helps me. Like, okay, this is this is hard right now, but what kind of court? What's coming in the horizon? Thank you for sharing that. Before yeah. we continue, let's praise the Teach Better community. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get back to the episode. Hey Andrea, so this is a broad question. Who is or who are your biggest influences? I'm gonna have to go with Teach Better, right? Um, there has been so many opportunities that have opened for me from justice community. So I um, adore Ray Hewitt, Jeff Gargis, and Chad Ostrowski. Um, they really have influenced me in so many ways to take the position on the team that I have. Um, so professionally, I would say them. Personally, my family, um, I definitely know, I know we've talked about before, like imposter syndrome, we all get it. My husband is the first person to knock me off of that. You know, I'll say, well, I can't do this, you know, presentation. I'm just a mom or I'm just a teacher. He's like, stop it. You are an expert at what you do. So personally, my husband, 
pushes me, he doesn't know anything about education, um, but he pushes me to go out there and find those things. Um, You're very fortunate. Thank I you for am, sharing I that. Um, so uh, being successful, as you know, includes being on top of our productivity. But this can mean different things for different people. What does it mean to you? How do you get organized to get everything done? Well, it's changed a lot of moms, right? Everybody says like, oh, you think you're so busy when you're young and single. And you think you're so busy with one child. And that is like, oh, two cups. So I definitely, I am a big um, promoter of my to-do list. I'm one of those people that even if I already did it, I write it down just so I can scratch it off. Get this out, the dopamine rush. Of <laughs> I'm like, I did it. I did it. <laughs> um, yeah. Google Calendar saves my life, you know, all of the time. Um, and I try to look for times when I know I can get worked up. So when I first had the kids and I was trying to still work, I was trying to work when they were awake, but then my attention wasn't fully on work and it wasn't fully on them. So now I try to make that distinction. I'm going to get worked on if when they're napping or before they wake up in the morning or after they go to work at night so I can be fully present in that moment for work or in that moment just with them. Obviously, there's times where things come up and you have to, you know, um, time manage both. But I try to make my to-do list. And I learned this from Lindsay Titus, who's also here at the conference. My to-do list, I love, but they would be so long. And then I would get myself stressed and overwhelmed. So I'll have like a long list, but then I say, what can I get done today? Now pick three things that I know I need to finish today. Beautiful. So it's kind of like, what do I want to do? Yeah. And what do I need to do? And I pick those three things that I need to do. And that really helps me not feel overwhelmed. And it helps me be more productive. Because sometimes you see that list and you end up doing nothing. Right. Um, so what do I want to do? And what do I need to do? And I focus on those three things that I need to do. I see. Awesome. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. I, I, I seen um, a, a newer design of a to-do list. Okay. To do four columns. One that says five minutes. Okay. Now that says now. And the other ones, lengthier. Sure. So when it's your time to decide, okay, I only have a few minutes. You don't, you don't lose bandwidth by looking at the long list. Yeah. You only go to the short list. I have to try Yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh my God. Together yeah, sometimes we are it better. is, right? I'll be like, oh, okay. Once you kids up, what did I do? And then you don't doing anything. So I like this. Beautiful. So this has been such a great conversation. Let me ask you a couple more things. Of course. Uh, anything that you want to share with us in terms of taking care of your health? Sure. I mean, as we've been talking about, I feel like luckily the conversation has been changing over time where our mental health is becoming more of a priority, especially in this post-pandemic. Um, I know it's easy to be like, oh, I don't have to to exercise. But I found I have to make the time because I feel better. Um, so I love, you know, being in Chicago, I love summer because we can get outside. But even now that it's getting cooler, we put on a jacket, I bundle the kids up, we go for a walk. And um, actually just last week, I was... Well, I was packing actually for this. I was feeling frustrated. There was so much going on. I just stopped everything. We put our coats on, put our hats on. We went to the park. Just that dopamine of being outside. And I was like, okay, we got this. And now when it does get cold and we have to stay inside, I put on my, since I am a former dancer, I put on one of my you know dance workout tapes and I make sure I focus on that. Um, or even just taking a second and calling a friend um, and just touching base. But yeah, that taking time for you even though you're giving yourself to your students or giving yourself to your family you can't give and you can't fill from an empty cup so taking that time to fill your own cup will save you 
anything any last thoughts you want to share with the audience of the show just that i am so grateful to be surrounded by so many amazing educators like yourself and administrators who understand what it's like to be a teacher and understand what it's like to be a parent and i'm just so grateful for the opportunity to be surrounded by people who have the same mindset as i do and are supportive we're not in competition with each other i love you know being with people in this teach broader community because we lift each other up we don't tear each other down i echo those feelings thank you so much such a thank pleasure you. to have you in the show uh thank you so much have a great day thank you for listening to wisdom and productivity the podcast of dr ebaline martinez and I love that production. Chill out.